welcome to the GET podcast. Today we'll be talking about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Jacobs. In the century of the 1800s, two diversely miraculous people were born. These abolitionists told their stories to the world, but the stories will be displayed in two very different perspectives on the treatment of slaves back in the 18th century. The first book that came out came to light was on May 1st, 1845, and stunned the eyes of everyone who read it. The narrative life of Frederick Douglass intensifies the hardships that male slaves had to encounter during this era of oppression. A few years later, in the year of 1861, Harriet Jacobs' incidents in the life of a slave girl surfaced and revealed a small portion of what the African-American woman went through and their suffrage. By both of them revealing their epic biographies, this made people today realize that even back then, women and men got treated differently. With that being said, throughout each of their stories, you can tell that if slaves had the same gender as their master, they would be brutally abused. But if they had different gender master, they wouldn't be as abusing. For example, when Jacobs was with her master, he would continually sexually harass her, which made the wife very upset. And the mistress started to take her anger out on Jacobs rather than her husband. This happened back then because slaves got blamed for everything. And if you look back at Frederick Douglass, he was brutally abused because his masters were male. So that was my introduction. Next, we're going to go into our body paragraphs. All right, welcome back. So now we're going to start talking about Jacobs. Uh, Jacobson, because apparently I can't read. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about her rebellion or resistance. Um, and her resistance is... <laughs> it was one of the... If I can speak, sorry... One of the times that I saw her resistance was when her master decided to make her a cottage away from everyone else. Um, His intentions from trying to seduce her the whole time through uh, with this house was to finally be able to have her in a way. It sounds awful because it was, but like she, so he gets it finished and he tells her about it. And she says, I will not enter it. Uh, I will not go there because I'm with child, basically. Paraphrasing. Um, She says this and he's just taken aback because he realizes that she's been disobeying him and going behind his back with the man um, for a while now, considering she's pregnant already. So now he has to just completely forget about it. Like, he won't ever stop pursuing her, but, like, 
she's tainted now, so she's not as much of a, like, prize for him anymore. Um, And so she has to deal with that she's pregnant now and that she, you know, has this guilt of getting pregnant because she's not married and she was taught that she has to be married before she gets pregnant. Um, And so after that, she, but she has this, like, gratification of, like, you know, she stood up to her master, and that was something that she found very empowering and very, like, yeah, I did this kind of thing. Trinity, you're up next. Okay, so I didn't necessarily find a quote because it was literally the overall message she gave us, but I was saying how, like, as an African-American woman, she had a lot of resistance to her master. Uh, she would say no to him a lot, no matter what it was. He would always try to, like, sexually harass her, but, like, she would always um, find a way out, I guess. And that's, like, a really good way of resisting because a lot of slave girls, like, they got taken advantage of, but she would not let that happen, and if she would let it happen, it would be under her circumstance. It's like, nothing happened unless she wanted it to happen. Like, as Gavin said, like, when she got pregnant, like, it was by another white man because she did not want her master to be the father of her child. So, like, over overall in the story, you can see how she's always resisting, like, his sexual harassment by a doing something else, like avoiding it, if that makes sense. So it just happened continuously throughout the story until she finally escaped. And isn't that where you're going to lead, where she escapes? No. Oh. She also resists by um, finally um, escaping her master and finally, like, um, hiding for seven years in an attic, and sh- that means she didn't she didn't bathe. She was in the freezing cold because it was in the attic, and it had like no insulation and stuff like that. So like everything she did was on her terms. So like she always resisted her master, and a lot of women back then, I feel like they wouldn't do that just because they have so much respect and they they knew that they had to do it, but, like, she was just so different from all the other slave girls, I feel like. And that's mm-hmm. just my opinion. Erica, you're up. Um, I wanted to talk about, like, about how she was talking to her master about, like, everything she felt. And she was, like, talking about, like, her love and everything. And, um, hold on. Okay, so it said, but you drove me into it. I couldn't help it. As for the jail, there would be more peace for me than there than there is here. So, like, she's being more bold because if we, like, look back to, like, before she said this, she was very timid at even, like, talking to the master. She didn't even barely say anything to him. And, like, at this moment, she was just confessing her feelings about the, like, about this man that she started to fall in love with who was an African-American. And the master didn't really like the fact that she was falling in love because he was obviously in love with her. And so, like, right here, she was being more bold in the towards of just telling him how she felt. She had she brought more emotion, and it brought, brought more, more like, a bold tone during this passage. And, and we can tell also that the 
the master felt more portrayed from her half because he felt like he would have her like always and now like she's falling in love he just never thought that that would happen and um and she just wanted a bit bit more of like love and like a feeling of what life is since she's a um slave and yeah, it's more in the sense of her being bold towards her master, basically confessing her feeling because we like like we said about Douglas, like there was no way for a slave to learn how to read or to learn how to um write. But in more in this sense, she um was very intelligent really intelligent, but in this sense she was falling in love with this man and it was like prohibited for her to fall in love with that person in the like and more in the sense of the master not liking it, feeling betrayed. That's it. Um, so now at the next time we're going to go over and compare both Douglas and Jacobs. See you soon. We're going to start talking about Douglas and his resistance. Over the time, Douglas had a couple times that he resisted against his masters, both to make his life better and to just, you know, resist, fight back against slavery. One such example is in chapter 10, I believe, when his master was hitting him, kicking him, giving him a severe beating. He says, Mr. Covey took up the hickory slate with which Hughes had been striking off the half bushel measure. And with it, he gave me a heady, heavy blow upon the head, making a large wound and the blood ran freely. And with the gun, he told me to get up. I made no effort to comply, leaving now made up, having now made up my mind to let him do his worst. And the short time after receiving this blow, my head grew better. Um, this is resistance because he's basically just disobeying his master because it's not something he wanted to do. Um, he's not listening to what his master has requested of him. He, you know, is taking this beating, giving, taking the power away from his master, saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to get hurt as much as you want. But, like, I'm still not going to do what you say. You can beat me until I'm black and blue or until I'm dead. That's a loss for you, not me, at this point. Because at this point, he's been in slavery for so long, he just really doesn't care anymore for his life. Uh, he just wants out of slavery so bad. Um, I, think, I think this is uh, not the safest way of resistance compared to some other ways that he's done. But, like... It was definitely a form of resistance that slaves could do. Uh, just don't think it was very safe. So, uh, Trinity, you have one, don't you? Yeah. Okay, so before, so Gavin read a few chapters ahead, so we are going to go back to chapter 6. And it says, Very soon after I lived with Mr. and Mrs. Ald, she very kindly commenced to teach me the ABCs. After I after I had learned this, she assisted me in learning to spell words of three or four letters. Just at the point of my progress, Mr. Ald found out what was going on and at once forbade 
Mrs. Ald to instruct me further, telling her, among other things, that it was unlawful as well as unsafe to teach a slave to read. So, and then later in the story, um, it goes on to say basically that he did everything in his power to learn how to continually write letters and read big words and stuff like that by uh, stealing the food from Mr. and Mrs. Ald and giving it to um, children, home, not homeless children, but children on the sidewalks and stuff like that. So he would basically um, persuade them by food since they were so hungry and teaching him how to read and learn and other things like that. And the reason I brought this one up because it really goes with what Erica's going to say next, which will be... Oh, I'm telling you what, to, what Trinity said. Um, I found that the most, um, for me personally, when Douglas resist, it was like when he had his own school because if we used our own background knowledge, we know that teaching slaves how to read and how to write was my, more in the sense of them being useless and masters didn't really want them to be useless. They just wanted to like more on um, like... I. I wouldn't say useless. I think that they didn't want him to learn because they would become too powerful for the uh, white race and that they would be scared to what they would use with that knowledge. Yeah, that's what I meant. I didn't know why I said useless. But anyways, <laughs> and so, um, and so like since we know like, that, that, that that was like forbidden at the moment, um, I used in chapter 10 when um, Douglas was explaining to us what he felt better and how his, better his soul was when he had his own school. I mean, a school for the slaves. So, like he said, they had me, they had been shut up in mental darkness. I taught them because it was the delight of my soul to be doing something that looked like bettering the condition of my race. I kept up my school nearly the whole year I lived with Mr. Freeland. And beside my Sabbath school, I devoted three evenings in the week during the winter to teaching the slaves at home. And I have the happiness to know that several of those who came to Sabbath school learned how to read, and that one at least is now free through my agency. So that part, like, he risked his own life to to help others. And that's more like he was being selfless, and he, um, he was basically... He was just like looking to um, to better his own race because he knows how bad his race was at the moment. He felt like he just felt like he was powerless, and doing having this school for the other slaves made him like had more power and better his soul. And everyone trusted him, and he was that one person that made a change. And he didn't want to live his life with a dark man. He wanted dark mind. He wanted to feel good and love being a slave. Like he tried to find the good of being a slave. And he was just making like a good time for his purpose that he was being as a slave. Yeah, his, I feel like his, um, that was his, what's the word? That was, his that was his happy place, I think. Was yeah, teaching. But like it was also resistance because like Erica said, in the time that wasn't allowed for slaves to be able to read or write because we all know that once people can read and write, they can tell their story. And that was the biggest lie that the South had was that the North, uh, they were telling the North that it wasn't that bad. It wasn't what it was sounding to be no. like. 
And so when slaves were able to read and write, they were able to publish their own things and get get it across to the North, like this book that he wrote now. I think that um, another thing, adding on to what you said about, like, telling their story, um, in the story, like, there was a proper man, and, like, he was known for, like, you know, not being, like, being harsh and everything on the slaves. And if, um, say... Douglas did tell his story, then the, everybody would know that, like, that slaveholder was a poser because when Douglas beat him up, he never touched him again or anything. So he didn't want that getting out saying that a slave beat him up. So now, because then he wouldn't get his money back because people wouldn't send their slaves there to get a beating. That tie in with, like, when one of our assignments, like, one chapter 10, like, she had us explain how Douglas had courage. That ties in like what you were saying. Like he had the courage to have that because a lot of people in his shoes would be like, they would like, how do you say it? Yeah, like he would like own up to what happened, and that was the courage of a, like of him to be selfless. Like throughout the whole story, Douglas has was being selfless and courage. Like he had a lot of courage because he went through a lot of um, slave owners that treated him horrible, and he had he was lucky and sometimes unlucky. So, like, if we had to find two simple words of how to describe Douglas throughout the story, I would find courage and selfless would best describe Douglas and how he was I agree. a slave. Just because he did so much for other slaves and, like, knowing that it, he might get caught, but he didn't care because he was overall helping a, other slaves, like, learn. Like, overall, every slave, every story that was told from, like, what we read now, each slave was selfless because, like, they had to think about themselves and other people. Well, they have, to of, they have to think about other people to better themselves because, like, what are you going to do at the moment you being a slave? Like, you can't really do anything. So all the slaves that we have read their stories, they were always smart and always took up their um, their time in life as, like, finding a purpose. Yeah. As a they would always have a plan. Like, a even though their plan wouldn't work, as you could tell in Douglas and in Harriet Jacobs, they didn't always work, but they always found a way to still accomplish their overall goal. So, like, they're kind of relentless, I think. Yeah. That would be another word. Because they keep on persisting and persisting, even though they keep on failing. Okay, now we'll be talking about... Oh, Jacobson. Jacobson, yeah. Not Jacobson. We'll be right back. Alright guys, we're going to talk about uh, Douglas's freedom. Well, like his supposed or like sections in the story where he was seemingly free. Um, and I want to kick it off by starting with the section where he had the school. Going back to what Erica said earlier in the first section, um, the, school, the school gave him the freedom to teach other young slaves um, about reading and writing and being able to express themselves through different ways than just, you know, the broken English that they were taught back then. Um, I also think that it gave him, uh, it gave his students a freedom because they finally got the ability to learn. And, you know, we hear about these kids from 
you know, the Middle East who are getting the chance to go to school and they, they just feel so, you know, free and happy because they actually get to go and learn. And I feel like that's what the slaves were feeling at that time because they were taught, you know, basic things like how to count and all that because it helped them with their job. But like they weren't taught anything like reading and writing, which was would give them power in the eyes of the slaveholders. So when Douglas got this opportunity to, you know, teach these kids and, you know, brighten up their lives with words and the ability to read and all that, it was both a way of, you know, resistance against his master and freedom. It freed him from his, you know, his bondage in a way. Uh, Erica, you have something? Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about like the freedom that Douglas had when he was um, when he had a new slave owner, doc uh, not doctor Mr. Covey. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I want I my sense of freedom for him was basically even though he wasn't really free because he was still owned by a slave owner, he was still um, treated differently than when he did with Mr. Friedland. Uh, okay, actually, vice versa. When he had Mr. Freeman and Mr. Doc, Mr. Covey was being mean to him. When he had Mr. Freeman, Freeland, Freeland, he had a more sense of a freedom because he treated him different than other slaves. And but when Mr. Covey had Douglas, he was treating him horrible. He was just typical white man at that time treating the slaves horrible. But Mr. Freeland was treating Douglas with more care and more, um, he just, he had more, he f had more feelings towards Douglas. And Mr. Freeland was someone who everyone wanted to have. And um, Douglas was most fortunate to have him because he was treated different. Like he wasn't getting hit by his owner, just like he did with uh, Mr. Covey, or he wasn't being limited to read or anything like he did with his other owners. And he was someone who was self-respect and honor Douglas, and both of them were completely different personalities. So I feel like when he had Mr. Freeland, he was more free, and he was treated different than other slave owners that had him. And my... Okay, so this is... Not a lot of people would think this is freedom, but, like, one thing that crossed my mind when Gavin said that we were finally talking about freedom was when um, Douglas finally got into his first fight with the master. And there's a quote, and it says, um, he asked me if I meant to persist in my resistance. I told him I did, come what might. And that he had used me like a brute for six months and that I was determined to be used so no longer. So basically, he's finally like, finally like sticking up for himself and gaining his freedom. And by doing that, he's fighting all these masters, all of his master's friends. Like he's doing whatever it takes, no matter how tired he is. He is pursuing and he is trying to resist um, being captured by them because he is just so tired of being treated so badly. And so, like, I feel like he finally conquered freedom by finally sticking up for himself, if that makes sense in a way. Does that make sense to you guys? Yes. I feel like I feel like he finally, like, overcame his fears and, like, he was just like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. Like, I deserve better. And he finally fought for what he believed in, which gained him his freedom on that plantation. Yeah. Yeah. 
I understand what you're saying. It like it opened him up to the possibility of being free forever. Yeah, like he finally got a taste of what freedom felt like. So then he was like, "I need more." Yeah, and then he finally became an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. Um, anything else anyone wants to add, real quick? Um. No. No. All right. And then next we're going to compare Harriet Jacobs. Yep. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. talking about the freedom of um, Jacobs and I wanted to talk about the freedom she had with her first mistress um, I really not want to compare it with the childhood for Douglas and her and Jacobs but the difference with the um, with the childhood that Jacobs had was that she had she experienced slavery off good she thought it was good and later on she realized it's not but during this time this mistress had love for um, Jacob's family, which made um, her to have a good experience. Um, so on the second page of starting of the, the story, it said, My mistress was so kind to me that I was always glad to be to do her biting and poor to lay proud to labor for her as much as my young years would permit. I would sit by her side for hours, suing with a heart as free from care as as that of my any freeborn child, born white child. When she thought I was tired, she would send me out of my run and jump, and away I bounded, go gather but berries or flowers to decorate her room. Those were happy days, too happy to last. So at that moment, she it, was, it gave us as readers an explanation of how the mistress treated Jacobs. Um, she treated her with more with kind, and... And she, like, the mistress really cared for her. And because the mistress basically promised Jacob's mom that she she would take care of her kids until she, like, passed away. But she, like, had more care for her. And um, that was more like a sense of freedom. Because if we talk about later on in the story, Jacob's had a weird sense of freedom because she had a horrible experience. But in that moment, I felt like she had more freedom than ever compared to the whole thing. Because she was actually experiencing the love that the mistress have. Because we know that some masters don't have love for slaves. But this one had a very strong spot in her heart for Jacobs. And it was like, I, I believe that was a strong moment for freedom for Jacobs. Next. Okay, so I don't really have necessarily a quote. But I feel like... um what I'm about to say, like, she already gained her freedom, and it's when, uh, finally her male master, the one that was sexually harassing her, like, hit her for the first time, because usually when, like, slaves get hit for the first time, like, it puts things into perspective, and, like, they, like, bow down to them, and, like, they do everything they say, blah, 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 but, like, to her, like, she didn't back down, like, she kept on persisting, persisting, and the reason, what she was persisting was that she wanted to get remarried as Eric, or not remarried, but married to this African-American guy. 
and the master was not having it like he was so angry and so he finally struck her for the first time but like after that she still persisted because she wasn't scared because she knew what she was to him so she knew that he would never harm her but like she still had freedom with knowing that does that make sense Mm -hmm. like or no yeah that makes sense like she still had freedom knowing that he would do nothing to her so she used that to her advantage i feel like that was her big sense of like freedom because like like, she was like sexually abused and then this like her she finally stood up for herself just like douglas like yeah like in, in that sense of hitting her was more like we can tell that his feelings towards Jacobs was different now. So I don't feel like she was locked up with that master. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah like she finally fl- experienced wings and the flew. Sl- yeah. Experienced yeah. the slavery. Yeah. Like she finally experienced um how. Uh, what was I? Gonna- What'd you say, Erica? Experience like that sense of slavery. Oh, because she never really experienced like getting hit or being abused or anything like that. Like she didn't experience what Douglas experienced. So like it really put things in perspective. But she didn't care because she kept on persisting what she wanted to do. She always did what she wanted to do, and that's why I think like she's such a powerful figure. All right, guys. In the next section, we're gonna talk about. Uh, we're gonna compare both Douglas and. Harry, uh, Harriet Jacob, about all their, uh, about both their freedoms and their uh, resistance. So we'll see you guys then. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, so now we're going to talk about both uh, Douglas and Jacob's uh, resistance and their freedom, and we're going to compare and kind of contrast them. Also, we want to preface this by saying that uh, we're not saying either one of them had a better or worse experience. So, yeah. It's uh, just different situations because, like, one was a girl and one was a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with... Um, the freedoms. Both Jacobs and Douglas had very different ways of, you know, resisting against their masters as Jacob, Jacob would, you know, just blatantly like say things that would get um, her master mad or, you know, fighting back against what her master was saying. Uh, while Douglas would usually just sit there and disobey him and take the beatings that came after it. Or he also built that school and taught kids. And, like, uh, that wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a thing slaves did because it was a sign that they were gaining too much power. And so I feel like him resisting that way is kind of like Harriet uh, disappearing for seven years. Oh, you know, that was my point. Again. He just, he completely uh, disregarded everything that was around it. And he, like he, Jacobs did when she went into the attic for seven years. Now it did cause some trouble on both ends. So anything else? Um, I think that another thing that really played a part is that how like their faith of trying to escape like never died like they kept on persisting on how like 
even like when their plans failed, they would keep on like thinking of another option or like they just never gave up their hope for freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like they always tried to find a way that wasn't, you know, I don't think they actively like thought, what can I do to resist my master today kind of thing. I think it was just something that was like natural and like, hey, this isn't right, but like this is the how I can combat it and this is how I can. Yeah. You know. And like with the freedom, like you could tell like that they were two totally different perspectives. Like her perspective was, oh, she's just going to hide until like something happens to him or something. Whereas like um, Douglas, he wanted to legitimately fight for his freedom and you can tell like how they're different in those ways just because of their personality mm-hmm. and both of them both ways that they did it were fighting they were you know fighting yeah back one was against... literally and then one was figuratively yeah yeah erica you got anything to add um more like douglas had like both of them had different characters throughout their whole the whole story, like like how do you say like emotions. Um, Douglas had it; he was more encouraging, and he wasn't very connected with the readers compared to um, Jacobs, because Jacobs would always say, would always like try to connect with us. She would like it was like more in the sense of her talking one on one with us and talking her own experience. Um, she, like Trinity said, like one physically like had to fight through what he wanted to do. And she just like was very stubborn, but in a good way because she was like, they have both different roles because one is male, one is female. So it was good to have two two ends. So we know how the experience is as a woman, as like a slave and then experience of a male figure. And we all know that she was she was very powerful for how strong she was and the decisions that she decided to take. She was fighting through everything, not just her slave owners. She was fighting through her grandma because her grandma was someone who she looked up to because she didn't have a mom. But um, she still had to fight for that, like fight through that, and she had to fight with her slave owner. And then Jake um, Douglas was just going through a lot of masters and trying to see his way through this life and also being um, an impact among other slaves as as like learning or teaching them how to read and write. I think also like you can tell like what kind of people they are because they're both abolitionists, but like you could tell that um, Jacobs is like a stay home, like a homebody person because she literally after um, her seven years were up, she still stayed around her hometown. Whereas um, Douglas, he was like, I'm not staying here. Like I'm going to drift out and like help others. And like, I don't know. I think that was kind of interesting, like how they were different in that aspect as well. I felt like Jacobs didn't really move or leave her spot because of her. Yeah. I just feel like her comfort and mostly with her family there. Her family was like something like, because Jacob, Douglas didn't really have family Mm -hmm. compared to. um, Yeah. Uh, Jacob, because Jacob had her grandma, she had her siblings, and then she had that, like, that need to just prove people wrong. I feel like she, that was her purpose to prove herself and others wrong, because, like, we all know her story, and so I feel like that's why um, Jacob stayed where she stayed, and not, 
think Douglas just like takes because there's nothing holding Douglas back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that completes our uh, comparing and contrasting uh, section. So we'll be right back to bring it all home. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, this episode was kind of long, uh, and we went through a lot, so... Long? Hey, it's still 37 minutes. Oh, shoot! Hey, anyways, um, we'll, uh, we'll be back sometime. I don't know when, probably never. Anyways, uh, we'll see you guys later, and thanks for listening.